You went too far. This time you went too far. Yeah, I used to have certain feelings about escal escalators. What were they? This is unscripted, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You know, we should have somebody write these for us. You know how we all have little fears? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What are yours? I used to have one about escalators. About escalators? Mm -hmm, going mm -hmm. down. That was cute. I thought it was, was great. Overcome my fear. I like the way you always make your entrance. It's special. <laughs> well, today is a special day because we have a very interesting project to talk about. We do. In the past, I've shared with you some of the really fun experiences I've had throughout my career. Just think, uh, when Thomas Edison mentored Bill Lear, okay. who was my mentor, but when he mentored Bill Lear, <laughs> Thomas Edison was just about my age, and Bill Lear was just a little older than most of you students. Mm. So that's kind of fun, and now, when I was ready to be mentored by, Tom, by Bill Lear, mm -hmm. he was about my age, and I was just a little bit older than you guys, just oh. coming out of school. Puts in perspective. Huh? And so now, I'm trying to mentor you, and, and I'm approximately my age. <laughs> I love and, it. And you're exactly your ages. <laughs> and so here we are, and it's, it's an interesting uh, heritage to say, yes. yeah, I have a direct men mentoring mm -hmm. genealogy yeah. to Thomas Edison. And you know, just think about the people you're going to mentor. When you're my age, you'll be sitting there in front of your min mints, mentees, mentees. Mm -hmm. and say, goodness, how did I get as old as R was? <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you the secret, it's just one day at a time. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah and it, it just catches up on you. One thing you should all know about life is that uh, I lived half of my life from birth to 10 years old. Yeah, half. And then from 10 to now, it was just the same amount of time. It just goes so fast. When you're having fun, especially time really goes. But I've told you about some projects that I've really enjoyed doing. It was my pleasure to get to do a science fair project and build the world's first hydrogen car. At the time, uh, I wasn't going around saying, this is the world's first hydrogen <laughs> car, because I didn't realize that it even was. Right. I just thought, right. this is my project. Mm -hmm. Then, uh, just a few years later, really, and starting out with a hydrogen car project where I was trying to make a better storage tank, mm -hmm. I got involved in the computer industry. Hydrogen got me into computers. And there are two ways, and, and I'd like to share with you a little bit about both. The first one was that when I built the, the engine, the little lawnmower engine to run on hydrogen, and then when it worked, I converted my father's Model A Ford to run on hydrogen. Mm -hmm. Now, when you burn hydrogen, the only byproduct is pure water vapor, so pure you could drink it. And just to prove that, I got a piece of glass apparatus and I pulled a sample into the glass, took it up to the university, to the chemistry laboratory and said, I need to analyze the gas inside this, this glass container to prove that it's just pure air and water vapor. And they said, okay. And they ran it through an instrument called a gas chromatograph for you chemists. And when the, the 
results of the test came out, there was a big spike. And the chemist that was helping me with it looked it up, and he said, it's nitric oxide. Nitric oxide is a terrible pollution. It's terrible pollution. And where did it come from? I was just burning hydrogen in air. It should just be water. But inside my engine, it was hot. And because hydrogen burns faster than gasoline, inside my engine, there was a peak temperature hotter than a gasoline engine. And when you cook air, when you heat it up inside the engine to that high temperature, in fact, I think the threshold is anything above 2,400 degrees, some of the air, which is nitrogen and oxygen, reacts, it cooks together and makes nitric oxide, NO. And when I found that out, I thought, oh no. <laughs> N-O. N-O. Oh, and no. nitric oxide, if it comes out the tailpipe of your cars, and it, it comes out the tailpipe of gasoline cars, but in a much smaller quantity than what's coming out of my car. I, I had a thousand times more nitric oxide than a, than a normal gasoline car, but when it comes out in a gasoline car, like in the south coastal air basin around L.A., it goes up into the air, the sun shines on it, and it reacts with oxygen and forms nitrogen dioxide, which is a gas. It's a brown gas. It's nasty smell. And when nitrogen dioxide comes in contact with water, it becomes nitric acid. And so if you have rain, it rains acid rain. And that's, that's one of the very worst pollutants they had in Los Angeles, California. And boy, if they convert all their cars to hydrogen, it'd be a thousand times worse. Yeah. It'd be terrible. So I had this great invention, and then all of a sudden I had a great problem. And you know, uh, problems are an interesting thing. When you're going through a problem, can I say this? Peugeot has cleared this <laughs> oh dear. with the social people. That's right. But it is a little edgy. Forgive me. We are. When you have that, it really sucks. Oh. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? You made me say that. <laughs> yeah, it, does, it really though. does suck, though, when you're doing a project and you run into problems. And I ran into a problem, and it was very discouraging to me because I had to go to the science fair and put up a poster and said, this is the car that was gonna be pollution free and I built it and it ran and I tested the exhaust and it stinks. It takes a lot to be that honest. It was disgusting. And so here I go and they said, well, yeah, you went our little science fair and they sent me to the international science fair, which the year I was in high school was down in Dallas, Texas. So I flew to Dallas, and at the science fair, people came by and looked at my poster. So it was gonna be pollution-free, but it isn't. <laughs> well, way, way to go. <laughs> Thank you. I was very fortunate to get a gold and silver medal at the science fair, and that really opened a lot of doors for me. Mm -hmm. Science fairs are a good opportunity to learn science and to get some respect that someday is gonna open doors. 
science fair success helps you get in college, for example. Sometimes it even helps you get jobs. But anyway, my project did not turn out the way I wanted, and I was very, very disappointed. I was glad that it at least ran. But then I graduated, and because of the science fair, I was able to go to the university of my choice with a scholarship. And if it wasn't for the scholarship, I wouldn't have been able to go. So I'm extremely grateful for that. But I went to the university, and there I was, a freshman. That means my first year of the university. And you know, freshmen don't know much. They're kind of green <laughs> around campus. And sometimes they do things that a wiser person wouldn't do. Did that happen? That might have happened to me <laughs> on an occasion or two. But the one that got me in the most trouble was when I did something good, but it just wasn't perceived like I was expecting. You see, I thought, here I am in college now. I'm, I'm a college student. To me, it felt like I'm graduated. But you know, I'm a college student. I'm just starting out. And I won this science fair, but my project was a no. Nitric oxide, a dud. <laughs> but I had a good idea. It just didn't work out because this darn air that's got nitrogen and oxygen, shh. So I figured I'm going to find a way to fix my engine so that when I run it on hydrogen, it gets rid of the nitric oxide. I had over a thousand parts per million of nitric oxide. And when you have that much, it's really dangerous. So how do you get rid of nitric oxide in an engine? And I was taking freshman chemistry. I was starting calculus. And they, they weren't teaching me anything about hydrogen cars. And so I did some research. And the internet was down still. <laughs> we, we had a lot we of problems problem with then, the internet back then. Yeah. It was just, hmm. So I had to go over to the university library and look. And oh, this is going to confuse some people. They have things with paper and you turn it. They, they were book? called books, book? yeah, and oh. they have indexes and you look and you find things in there. And looking through those indexes, I found a little abstract telling me that researchers at the Naval Research Laboratory okay. down at Point Magoo, California, had developed a thermochemical program to simulate various types of combustion. And it would run on a computer. And so as I read it more, I understood that you could get this program from the Navy and you could put it on a computer and then you could experiment with it and say, what if I put in more hydrogen? What if I put in something else? What if I... Mm -hmm. And it would tell you what would happen, what would come out the exhaust. I thought that's really neat. So I contacted them and asked them if I could please get that program, and there was uh, a fee. They wanted me to pay for it. <laughs> Imagine that. I mean, I didn't have any money. They didn't know that, did they? They didn't factor that in. <laughs> and so that's when I got the big idea, and this is when my problem became my opportunity. And that's what a lot of people haven't heard about because they haven't been mentored yet. And when you're mentoring your mentees, you make sure they understand this. When you've just got the problem, just hang on, hang on, because pretty soon 
the opportunities will come. So what was the opportunity? I have an engine that runs on hydrogen, so there will be no pollution, but there is pollution. How is that an opportunity? I don't know. Well, I figured it out. So I got a typewriter, <laughs> and I typed a letter to Ford Motor Company in Dearborn, Mich in, in Michigan, and I sent the letter saying, I have been working on this hydrogen engine, and I've got it running, but unfortunately, it creates a thousand times more nitric oxide pollution than a gasoline engine. I would like to do some research here at the university to find out how to get rid of it, and I need some money. They answered my letter. <laughs> I got an answer from the vice president of research at Ford Motor Company. I think that dad's just a little bit taller. Yeah. And, and the letter said, well, we would be happy to finance your research. What, what amount of money do you need? Oh. <laughs> uh, and so I decided how much money. It was a fortune, but to them it was a little bit. To me, it was a fortune. Mm -hmm. and, and I said, if I could have that money, then I could do research and, and work on all this. So they sent me a big legal agreement. And on the last page, it said it had to be signed by the vice president of the university. Mm. And there was all kinds of stuff in there. So I had a new problem. So I went to the administration building. I don't think I'd ever been in there before. And I went up to the office of the president, and they were doing big things, and told me, Go away. So I went down the hall to the office of the vice president, the academic vice president. Went in that office, and there was his secretary. And I remember her so well. And, and I said, I've got a, a document. It's actually a, a legal document, and it needs to be signed by the vice president. And she says, okay, just put it right there and come back tomorrow. <laughs> so I put it right there. Your new girlfriend? And I came back tomorrow, <laughs> and it was signed. Thank you. <laughs> and I put it in an envelope, and I sent it back to Ford. But I read it, and guess what it said on page three? The university hereby agrees they will provide a research laboratory for Mr. Billings so that he can do his research. <laughs> Freshmen, all freshmen get laboratories, I suppose. Not. So no. Uh -huh. I went back to the uh, office of the academic vice president to his secretary, and I said, I, I've got a question. She says, what's your question? I said, well, in that agreement the vice president signed, he said he was going to give me a laboratory. I just want to know where it is. <laughs> and she said, what? Well, ask your professor. I don't have a professor. You don't? Are you a graduate student? <laughs> I'm a freshman. And she said, oh, no. And I got to meet the vice president. <laughs> what have you done? And I said, well, I wrote this proposal, and you signed it, and I just want to know where the laboratory is. <laughs> well, he introduced me to one of the professors of chemical engineering, uh, Dr. Blackham. Uh, I chose him. He said, well, who's your professor? I don't have one. Well, 
Who do you want? I want Dr. Blackham. He was the only one I knew. Dr. Blackham's the guy that helped me test the exhaust. That's how I met him. I went in, can you test this exhaust? <laughs> tenacious. Anyway. Tenacious, very tenacious. So Dr. Blackham became my advisor, and laboratories were all busy with professors and graduate students. And then there was one lecture hall that had chairs that came down on rows, but underneath it, there was what I called the dungeon underneath the chairs. The ceiling went up like chairs. And I went in there, and that was my lab. And Ford continued to provide me funding for the whole time I was at university, wow. which was pretty neat. I had my own contract. I had a job. It was, it was pretty handy. Well, with that money then, I ordered the program from the Naval Research Center, NRL, and it came in boxes, and the boxes were clear full of cards, and they were computer cards, and they had holes punched in them. We did not have iPhones. We did not have no. desktop computers. We had mainframes. And mainframes were big computers that fill a whole big room, and you could look through the window and see them, but you couldn't go in there. And there were no terminals, but there was a punch card machine where you go sit down and type things, and it would punch cards with holes. And so with my money, I was able to buy time on the university's mainframe computer. It was an IBM 370. And so I take my three boxes of cards. There must have been 1,500 of them. And I put just a couple cards in front that said what I wanted to experiment with. Hey, what would happen if I put in less hydrogen and more air? Then would the nitric oxide go away? And I'd run it through, and the next day I'd get a report. It'd go down a little bit, but there wouldn't be much power. Hmm. And so with those cards, I conducted a lot of experiments that have been very hard to build up in the laboratory. Well, in one of my experiments, when I realized that it was the temperature being too high because of the high laminar flame speed of hydrogen mm -hmm. that was causing this NO to form, if I could just lower the temperature inside the combustion chamber of the engine, well then I'd lower the nitric oxide. And so how do you lower the temperature of a flame? And I thought, well, firemen just spray water on it. Great idea. So I thought, what if I put water spray into the engine with the hydrogen? That ought to cool it off. And in my test and my calculation, I put different amounts of water. I said, try it with this much, try it with this much, try it with this much. Ran the test, and when it came out, the nitric oxide just crashed down, down to less than 1%, down to one part per million, just by spraying water. Of course, if you're in a car, where are you going to get water to spray? I mean, you're not hooked up to the faucet unless you've got a long hose. <laughs> where are you going to get the water to spray in the engine? I thought, well, I'm making it. I'm burning hydrogen. I'll get it out of the exhaust. And so this was my great idea. And I built a prototype engine and tried it. And I took a sample of the gas. I got in one of those glass tubes again with two stopcocks on the end. Took it to Dr. Blackham. He ran it through his gas chromatograph, and the peak was gone. I said, we did it. We did it. We did it. 
And he says, but the bad news is this chromatograph isn't very sensitive. Oh. It could only go down to about 100 parts per million. So it could still be about 100 oh. times worse than the gasoline engine, and we just wouldn't be able to tell. And I said, well, how can we tell? I need to know if it's getting rid of this pollution. He said, you need a really expensive instrument. I didn't have that much money in my grant. And then I heard about the National Clean Air Race. They had challenged all the universities in America to build a pollution-free car. And all of the entries were to get take their cars to the General Motors Proving Grounds in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and General Motors would test the emissions to see who was lowest. And I was sure they had the best instruments the money could buy. So we got a car, we converted it, we got it back to Detroit, and they tested it. And when the, the test came back, the hydrogen had created such a pure exhaust that they said the exhaust was actually cleaner than just plain air going into the engine because there was a little pollution in the air and the hydrogen car burned the pollution out. So we got a negative pollution and we won first place. And that was a really neat thing. But we did it because we had a problem. And so in an effort to try to solve that problem, I got introduced to computers. And when I started that project, I knew absolutely nothing about computers. I'd heard the word, I didn't know what they were. And so I had to learn. I had to learn how to punch the cards. I had to learn how to write a simple program. So I got introduced to computers. Well, so my hydrogen did me a favor there. Later, when I was working on a way to safely store hydrogen in a car, I needed to test a lot of samples. I mean, thousands of them. And it took about 36 hours per test. So I needed 36,000 hours to test all of these different alloys. And that's when I heard that Intel had invented an all-on-one chip computer. And I thought, wow, if I get one of those, I could build a tester and I could just turn it on and go home. And all these testers would run overnight, because they took a lot of time to run them. And I'd just come and get the results in the morning. So we built what we called an auto tester with an Intel microprocessor. And as I worked with those, I realized this little chip is going to completely change the world. And it has. And that's why I got involved in personal computers. And personal computers are the thing that really gave me the resources, the financial resource, to do many of the projects that I've wanted to do. In fact, it gave me the resource to be able to do the project I want to tell you about tonight. It's a project that I thought would completely change education. We called it a solace. We called it? Yeah. Is it called or called? We're calling it a cellus. Okay. <laughs> it's a cellus. This is a project. And it was a project that I started many, many years ago because I believe that using computers, we could really accelerate mm -hmm. 
a student's ability to learn. And they could learn faster, they could learn better, they would be able to retain it longer. I just thought it could completely change education. Now I had no idea, to be truthful, that it would ever get as big as it has. I didn't realize that we were gonna be providing courseware to almost 8,000 schools and millions of students. I had no idea that it could get that big. When it was small, it was kind of fun. We kind of knew the names of all the kids on Acellus. Uh, right now, that's, that's really hard to do. But I want to tell you that in Acellus right now, we're kind of going through one of those problem stages. You remember like the NO with nitric oxide and the hydrogen engine? Well, we're going through a real challenge with Acellus. As we get more and more students using Acellus and it's working effectively, and as it's really giving good results and we're accredited, people that graduate on Acellus, Acellus Academy graduates are becoming more and more and more and more in high demand. The military told us that when our graduates take their entrance exam, they score higher than they've any se ever seen from any other school. <laughs> and we have universities, major prestigious universities, that have told us that our students at their universities are doing extremely well. And the Cellus Academy graduates are having tremendous success getting scholarships if they have a good grade point average and they did it on a Cellus and they took good hard classes. That's all good. But when you start having that kind of success, there's a certain element in our society that wants to get the result without putting in the work. And that's the problem, that's the challenge. I have been up against some almost impossible tasks working with people that are trying to get diplomas without doing the work. And uh, you can imagine how disappointing that is. And I want to tell you just a couple experiences. One of them happened with Power Homeschool just this past year. Power Homeschool is uh, a, a company which I organized to help get a Acellus to families that needed to have it on a real tight budget. And uh, we couldn't afford to hire teachers and accredit that school, but it was a way for homeschoolers to be able to take the same classes that were given to our, our big uh, public schools. And so I wanted to keep the price at $25 a month, which is actually incredibly low. And it's been there for years and years and years and years. And Almost every year they come to me and they tell me, we've got to raise our price because we cannot afford to do it at this price. And I keep saying, no, we've got to raise our price. No, we could raise our price. People would pay more. I say some would. But some of the kids that I really care about wouldn't be able to have it. And so no, I'm not doing this to make money. I'm doing this to make engineers to help students <laughs> succeed. And so that's kind of been my attitude. Well, way, way, way back in the beginning in Power Homeschool, I created two modes. There's the normal Acellus mode where it runs like most of you are used to. And then I created another mode for kids that just wanted to come in and take a few lessons. And I call it the tutoring mode. And what that meant is 
you just come in, look at the lessons. Oh, I want to see that one. And you could watch a lesson. I want to see that one. You really can't get credit for tutoring, but it's just a way to get a few lessons. If you're taking a class at your public school and you're struggling, then you can come get some help on the cellus. That was the idea. Well, as time went on, some of the people that didn't want to put in the work figured out that if they used the tutoring mode, they could go in and look at five seconds of a video, shut it down, go to the next lesson, five seconds of a video, shut it down, and go all the way through a class in two hours, and then turn it back over to the regular mode and say, I, I passed that class. And of course, they're, they're cheating. They're not getting any value out of it. They wanted a diploma. They didn't want an education. And there, there are places that will sell you a diploma. A cellus isn't one of them. A cellus sells you an education. And an education is hard work, and you have to work to get it. Well, with that tutoring thing, a group of them got together and formed a hacker group, a big one. And they're based overseas, and some in the US, and using that tutoring mode, they go through every single problem we had, and they extracted over 350,000 problems off of the cellus, and kept trying all the answers until they finally got the right answer. So they had all the answers, all the problems, so that now they could just run a program to make a cellist think they were doing the work, they could answer, get 100% on everything, and they were selling this to people. And I found out about it, and I thought, this is going to destroy the reputation of a cellist, and a cellist diploma is gonna be worth nothing. Mm -hmm. So what I do, I turned off the tutoring mode. Now, there were some people who just wanted tutoring, so I created a brand new program. I called it the tutoring program, but I made it so the only way you could use it was through an app. You had to download the app for the tutoring program, which meant they couldn't harvest the answers. Then I had to go back and fix 350,000 problems with new answers so they couldn't use them to cheat. And when I turned that off, there was a giant explosion. I was called every bad thing you can imagine in the world. Yeah. And why? Because they could still do the same thing here, unless they were using it to cheat. And all the people that were so angry, 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 angry were people that were cheating. I won't say all, there may have been some in there I don't know about, but I know that most of them were. And they were really, really upset because now they couldn't do it anymore. And so they just, they just attacked me in, in ways you can't even imagine. And they attacked to sell us and they attacked everything, almost destroyed us. And I thought, well, hmm, this must be that problem face. But I persevered. And so we, we got through that. Some of the people left, but the people that left were the ones that weren't really using Acellus anyway. It's crazy to pay for the best learning system yeah. that's ever existed and then not use it. And, and I'm, I'm against that. For me, I want to educate students and empower them to do whatever they choose as their life's missions. 
And these people that have been cheating, 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 cheating couldn't go on to the next course because they hadn't learned anything and they weren't ready for it. So it created a real problem for them. And they really needed to go back. Well, that's too bad. Now, this week, we ran into another big problem. And a lot of you know about this. The problem is that we implemented a new tool in, in Acellus. About four years ago, we entered into an agreement with the NCAA that in all of our core courses, we would require the students to put in at least 16 weeks of work. That is, that is the application that was approved by them. And when you talk about a core course, that's a course that you really need to graduate, to have a diploma, to have a foundation to go to college. And those courses, trying to do that in less than 16 weeks is silly. Now, put this in context. A normal course has about 175 days of work to do. That's the number of school days there are in a school year. So if you do one every day, you'll be done in nine months. If you can do it in half that time, because you really work hard, you can be done in four and a half months. So that really is going way faster than in school. And our agreement with NCAA is that we would require that students spend at least four months in all of these core courses. And personally, even if there was no NCAA, I would say that's necessary because you cannot master these core subjects in less than 16 weeks. You, you can run through them, but you will not have any retained knowledge to go on to the next step. So we've had that policy for about four years. The only way we had to enforce the policy was to have our staff go through and see if anyone was going faster than that. And as Cellus exploded in growth during COVID, we got behind on catching people that were going through the classes too fast. Then our graduation people that analyzed graduation applications came to me and said, look, here's a student that did 23 classes in two months. 23 classes in two months. Do you think that's possible? No. And so we started looking at the data, and I've put a lot of tools in to monitor yeah. if students are cheating. And it uh, turns out that student wasn't watching the videos. They were doing a cheat to skip the videos. They were doing a cheat on the problems. And I can't give credit for that because that student is going to go to some university or to some job, and they're not going to know anything. And they're going to say, Acellus is a lousy school. Mm -hmm. And that hurts the credibility of all of our students that are doing their job. I have to defend the integrity of our degree. It's really, really, really important. So when I found out people weren't keeping up, I had the programmers write a feature into Acellus so that we would be able to make sure that students didn't go beyond 20 steps a week. Now, 20 steps means you have a video lesson and the problems, the homework. And so you should be able to do, if you do it five days a week, like in a regular school, for one period, then you should be able to do five steps or five lessons in a week, which would be 10 steps. 
So that means you'd be able to do two weeks' work in one week, but only on that handful of core courses. Out of the other 400 courses, you go as fast as you want. But on these, these foundation courses, you need to do this. Well, <clears throat> I have had the most rude, foul, hateful conversation with a parent over this, wishing me that I was dead and all kinds of horrible profanities because I did this. Because their student wants to graduate in December and they were going to get to do it and they, don't, they can't go 16 weeks for a course. And people started posting on the internet and a hate group was formed and there's all of these things going on. You just can't do it without telling us. This is our policy for four years. I didn't change policy. I just improved our ability to enforce it. Well, <clears throat> there are a lot of people that are very, very angry at me because I am preventing them from cheating. And a lot of them did it before with the, <laughs> with the tutoring system. And uh, uh, some really angry, angry things have been said. Millions, millions of students are not using a cellist because these angry cheaters are posting all over Facebook and everywhere else how bad a cellist is, how bad I am. I just change it with no notice. I didn't change it. Well, it used to be you go at your own pace. You still can. But if you're going faster than taking a whole year class in 16 weeks, you can't master the material. And probably someone is doing your work for you. And that's a real concern. So if you go look at acellusacademy.com and you look at the Roger Billings Scholarship, mm -hmm. something that I do to help people to have success, there's a brand new statement there. And I want to have Dr. Peget read this for you. You can go look at it on the website yourselves, but this is a new thing because it's time for people start starting to be respectful of each other. Yeah. My beautiful people that try to support parents on the phone are so abused, they can't work in there very long before they have to leave. The profanities, the hatred, the anger that's coming out of just a few parents, it's only, it's less than 5%, but it's just not fair. I can't put these people through this anymore. We're a private school. Anyone that enrolled in Power Homeschool or Acellus Academy accepted the terms and conditions which say that we can terminate your student at any time with or without cause. And I'm saying enough of this outrageous meanness to my people. And so I have a new policy. If you're on the Roger Billing Scholarship, I have people bragging bragging on a private Facebook group that they don't watch Science Live. Ha, 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 they don't catch them. I catch them. Sure do. I catch them, I know. Yeah. And I just think, what kind of a thing are they teaching their child? Yeah. It's so funny, he, he didn't catch us. We got away with it. Well, 
if they make an agreement that I'm going to pay 70% of their tuition in a scholarship, but they've got to attend Science Live, and then they don't do it, they don't deserve that scholarship. So here's my new policy letter, and I'd, I'd like you to all hear it, and I hope you know it's coming from the bottom of my heart, because it's time to clear out the angry haters from this private school so that the serious kids that want education can have a diploma that'll mean something when they graduate. Go ahead. Students who are willing to commit to attending the live lecture over the internet each week and are willing to be supportive in helping me improve Acellus are eligible to enroll in Acellus Academy at a significantly reduced tuition rate. Some parents are looking for a quick way to obtain a high school diploma for their students. It is my goal to make Acellus Academy's diploma a document having real credibility, which will open doors and opportunities for graduates. I work very hard to prevent any student from the ability to circumvent learning by cheating the system. It is often necessary to make changes to Acellus to stop cheating. Doing so always upsets those involved. This scholarship program will not be available to parents involved in publicly posting damaging and defaming attacks against Acellus or its staff. Parents are invited to contact me via my personal website, rogerbillings.com, with any concerns or suggestions regarding ways to improve Acellus. I promise to do everything in my power to listen to ideas and concerns to seek resolution of problems, but to do so in a constructive and mutually respectful manner. The Roger Billings Scholarship is provided subject to the availability of funds and the recipient's adherence to the requirements listed above. Failure to comply will trigger reevaluation of the scholarship and possible termination. Please select the button below for the scholarship tuition rates. The Sellis Academy and Power Home School are places where we love learning. We sure do. It's a place where people who want to get the best education possible on the planet are gathering. And there is no more room for people who are trying to steal a diploma without paying the price. And the price is hard study. Learning is hard work. And it's worth it. And we do everything we can to make the learning process fun, it's true. fast, <laughs> and effective. And so I know that 95% of the people that are involved in Cellus are going to be grateful for this. But I am going to start recording all of the support lines. Mm -hmm. And people who are abusive to my staff are going to be terminated from the scholarship. And if they continue, they will be terminated and expelled from this school. Anyone can express their opinions. They can express them sharply. They can express them with emotion. But if they have opinions about this school, I, and they want my support, my financial support in this private school, then they should bring that criticism to me. And I promise, I promise, I will do my best to remedy the, the problems that I can and to take care of your needs. I have been on the phone with many, many parents. RogerBillings.com is a place where you can send me a message. Now, I can't take over the support for four and a half million kids. No. 
And that's why we have our support lines. Someone says we're not answering the phone on our support lines. I know exactly how many calls are in the queue, and we, we're between two and three calls, which is very hard with the call volume that we're having. But I could do much better on that call volume if these people weren't hearing the profanities and the absurd language of people that are calling them. And people who do that will need to find another provider of lessons because that's just not anything I'm going to make any of these wonderful people on my staff do. You can disagree. You have every right to disagree and to express your opinion. But when you start judging me and saying, I just did this as a money grab, that's going too far. When you say that NCAA doesn't require that the amount of time to finish a course be limited, it's right on their website. Of course they do. When you start saying defaming and damaging things, it's, it's wrong. I want to show you something that happened to me a few years before. Uh, this is a slide of a guy that has a, a bag here, a robber, and a lady that's got a little knapsack. And it says, which image, in your opinion, best depicts Harriet Tubman's escape from slavery to freedom in Philadelphia, A or B? This problem on a cellus, and, and maybe I can just show you I, I don't know you have the picture, but I have it here. Maybe you can zoom in on my image here, and if you zoom way in. Okay, if you look here, there is a picture of a student sitting here looking at this problem on his screen, doing a cellus, and critics said that this is proof that a cellus is racist because we're making fun of Harriet Tubman a wonderful lady that escaped from slavery many, many, many years ago. And because of this, many, many schools were ordered to get rid of a cellist. They also said that I'm a sexist. And they, well, let me back up before I leave this. This image, let me put it back up, of this guy and this lady in this caption is not an cellist problem. You guys that do a cellist know that's not what our problems look like. This is a guy's Twitter feed. This is a joke. This has nothing to do with the cellos. And they literally took a cellos away from thousands and thousands of kids with this lie. And it, it really, really is a lie. You get at a point that, you know, I can take uh, a lot of barbs because I got tough skin. I've only revolutionized things anywhere I've gone. And as a result of that, I get barbs all the time. But when you start saying things that are not true, like I'm just doing this as a money grab, couldn't be farther from the truth. I'm paying 70% of your tuition. Add a real sacrifice. And when you say that NCAA doesn't do this, and then you start using the, the real vulgar language to to speak about it and publish it, it's driving parents of new students away from a cellist because they think that what you're saying must be true or you wouldn't say it. Shame on you. When you start hurting kids, 
my patience runs out. And I just want to use one more. They say I'm a sexist. And the reason I'm a, a sexist, and it's right in their document, is because one of our lessons, which we removed, but one of our lessons had a video by Walt Disney. And Walt Disney is telling about the movie Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And he goes down the dwarfs and he's telling about each one of their personalities. And he gets down to the last one, he says, and this is grumpy. He's the woman hater. And of course he went on to explain that Snow White charmed him and he That's became her biggest fan. But because I said women hater and I'm teaching the kids to be women haters, I'm sexist. And this went around the nation and every time it went around, it got a little bit worse, a little bit worse, a little bit worse, a little bit worse. And you know, our society's really messed up right now. Everybody's on edge. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that's COVID. Everybody's angry at everybody. We drive crazy, more reckless. You can get someone mad just by pulling over too close in front of them. And we need to, we need to back up. Tone it down a notch or two. And I, I like people that think for themselves and have their own opinions. And I defend everyone's right to express their opinion. But I don't think that's the same thing as stabbing someone that's paying for your child's education in the back just because you don't really understand a policy or why it was necessary. Now, some people are saying this new policy of 16 weeks is going to make it so they can't graduate in December. If they can't graduate in December, then they can't go to public school in January. Or they can't go to college and they can't have a scholarship. If these kids are racing through these courses, they're not ready to go to college. And they're just going to hurt our reputation and they're going to drop out. So you kids, and it's interesting, with all of the hatred going on in the internet over this thing, I got 13 people that reached out to me with a concern. It's interesting that 13 people was all, and, and, and one of them said, if you had just told us what you were doing, well, if you go look on the page where you set the steps as a parent, it's fully disclosed there in detail the why and the how and, and how it works. And some of the parents that wrote in today said that there is, for example, a history course that would take more than 16 weeks because it has over 400 steps. Da -da 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 -da. I want you to know that history course is being fixed so it can be done in 16 weeks. There was another person pointed out to me that two English courses, mm -hmm. British literature, and American literature had over 500 steps. And so even if you take 20 a, a week, it's gonna take longer than 16 weeks, and that's already been fixed. They Amazing. told me about it just yesterday. <laughs> it's already fixed, so it can be done in the 16 weeks. So I wanna work with you. But any student that wants to rush through a core course in less than 16 weeks, is, is doing themselves a great disfavor, and I won't help you do that. And someday, I hope you'll be grateful to me. Now, one parent wrote me and said, my student has been in this course 
for 12 months. But they haven't finished it. So now can't that count as the 16 weeks and can't we just zip through the rest? Well, they didn't get very much done in 12 months. No, 20 steps a week is the amount that I believe is the maximum that a student can absorb with any kind of long-term memory. What other questions do we have? Uh, one of them said, what if we go back and work yeah. for a higher score? Yeah. Will that count as additional steps? No, it doesn't count as additional steps. Another one says, if vectored instruction kicks in and we get all those special instructions, do those count as additional steps? No, those don't count. It's just the steps progressing in just this handful of courses. It only pertains to high school. And so it's really a pretty small thing. And if people are trying to rush through without learning the material, they've got a real problem. Guys, there's nothing I can do about this. I have an agreement with NCAA, and I have a commitment to the accreditation people, to the schools, to the jobs, and people are going to hire you. These foundation courses are important. And you can race through the other courses as fast as you can. And you've got, you've got 400 and something courses to, to choose from. I am doing my best. And for you power homeschool guys, it's been at $25 for a long, long time. Inflation has cut that in half since we started. And uh, I, I don't talk a lot about this publicly, but a few years ago, the decision was made to shut down Power Homeschool. Mm -hmm. And the organization that was offering the course decided not to offer it anymore. And there wasn't anything I could do about that, so I did anyway. So I took Power Homeschool and got it a whole new home a whole new place to live, a whole new company to keep it running so that people wouldn't lose that because I think it's filling a very, very important need. And I'm very, very dedicated to keeping it going. But for gosh sakes, uh, let me know when, when I don't perform the way you want me to. Let me know when there's something I need to do different and where I can, I will. Most of the time, you just need to really understand what you're asking. Uh, well, let's stop shooting arrows in each other. Uh, I'd like Acellus to be one place, on this planet at least, where people can disagree with respect and kindness. And I, we may lose half of our students. I think it's going to be less than 5%. But 5% of the families on Acellus are causing 90-plus percent of our problems. And you're keeping 30, 40, 50% of the kids away with all of your negativity. We have special haters groups, the secret haters groups. And some of the people in there have reached out to me and said, you know, it got so bad. I just think you need to know what they're saying and need to know what they're doing. And my goodness, how can anyone be in a group like that <laughs> and stand it? And some of the people in that group, I'm talking to, I'm trying to work with, I'm trying to help them. And they're saying one thing to my face, another thing to my back. Guys, uh, Acellus is a good thing. They're, this big attack a few years ago was motivated by our competition. 
And I guess we went into a market and took more than our share. And combination of very modest prices and the most amazing technology that education's ever seen are hard to compete with. Um, and yet I published it all in a book, which I send to them so that they all know our secrets and they can do it too. It's not about making money. It's about the most precious resource we have in this nation, and that's our kids. When it comes to our kids, I will stand, I will take arrows, and I will fight for them. Last word. You get the last word. Wow. Well, I'm with a lot of these students and parents who are writing in right now. Um, we got students who want to know how they can help in their home any way that they can, and they have, you have a lot of grateful people who really appreciate what you're doing for the scholarship because some of them are in some pretty tough situations where they can barely afford, afford other things. It's staples. hard times. And um, I have never met somebody as Dr. Billings who cares more about the students, you guys, and who cares more about the parents, you guys. So those are my last words. We should let you do the whole thing. <laughs> well, anyway, thank you for, for listening to me. And I hope my, my goal isn't to drive out 5% of our oh. families. In fact, <laughs> I, I told win. her, I, I really hope that doesn't happen. My goal is to help 5% of the families rethink their attitudes and behavior. We had a guest at Science Live uh, about a month or so ago, maybe a couple months ago, it was a little girl, Sela student, that is very, very high on the uh, autistic <laughs> spectrum. spectrum. Yeah. And uh, just an amazing right. little girl. And her mother posted a thing just this week. She was asking her little girl, you know, what is her favorite thing about school? And she said, um, I like the mean girls. And Rich says, what? You like the mean girls? She said. <laughs> and he says, why? And she says, because the mean girls help me remember why it's so important to be nice. Yeah. And you know, maybe we all ought to look at the mean girls and remember while we often disagree because we're independent thinkers, Let's do it in a constructive way. I've, I've made uh, myself available to you. Mm. I've got a staff that are trying very hard to help, the most wonderful group of people I've ever worked with in my whole life. And all I'm asking you to do is disagree in a professional, respectful manner. And if we can get that kind of attitude going, then it's sell us is just beginning to see greatness. Thank you, we'll see you next time.